honored to share testimony with you of a visitor that we had. I, I just want to tell you that most Christians come to church because they just think this is just like another concert. We go, we're going to be entertained by the worship band and by the past. We just sit down and relax. But I tell you, like, God wants more of us. He desires us to worship Him in spirit and in truth. And the testimony that I have for you is like that when you come with expectancy, things will happen. Miracles will happen. People will be delivered and healed. Two weeks ago, my husband and I, we lead a life group. We prayed for every chair. Before the people show up, we pray already. We declare already that mighty things will happen in Jesus' name. So we come with expectancy, lay all on, on each chair. That night, a girl that never been in our life group came. She was dealing with suicidal thoughts, with depression. And so the devil just had like a foot in her life and everything but she came broken and before she entered the house she asked God Lord give me a sign speak to me she was so broken that she that's all she had she entered the home and God showed up he delivered her he delivered her he set her free all demonic powers are gone in Jesus name we laid hands on her she's a new creation in Jesus name and God is moving. So I just want to encourage you here. Don't come and wait for us to entertain you. God is waiting on the throne to be worshipped by you. He desires you. Amen. The Bible says that even the gift of the, the, the even the gift of desire is a gift from God. And those who hunger and thirst for God, for righteousness, they will be filled. I pray in the name of Jesus, my God, that you will fill each and every one of us today, my God. That we open our hearts to you, my God, and give it all to you, my God. I pray that we come with petitions and prayers, my God, and we believe in your miracles, in your power, my God. I pray for our SUM disciples, my God, that are on the streets, my God, that you just protect them as they fight the evil powers and spirits, my God. You sitting on the throne, my God. You, you, the universe belongs to you, my God, and this creation, my God. We lift our families, our nations to you, our churches, my God, and we declare victory in Jesus' name. We belong to you. Worship you, God, children of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, I want you guys to be invited to come up to the front. We're going to start worship right now. Hallelujah. There we go. Come on, can you give them a hand clap of praise this morning? Come on. This next song we're going to sing is called Happy Day. How many of you guys are excited to be in the house of God? Are you guys happy? Let me see you smile. Come on, this altar is open for you right now. Come on, we're going to invite you to the front. We're going to worship the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We praise your name, God. We love you in this place, God. We are happy to be in your house, Lord. We worship you in the beauty of your holiness. We praise you, oh God, because you're worthy. We lift up your name in this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, put your hands together with us. Greatest day in history. Death is beaten, you have rescued me. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. Come on, say the empty cross. The empty cross, the empty grave. Love eternal, you have won the day. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Sing happy day. And oh, happy day. Happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day, 
a shout of praise this morning, church. We bless you this morning, God. We worship you, God. We lift up our praise to you this morning. We lift up our worship to you, oh God. Can you just lift up some praise to him right now in your own words right now? God, we bless your name, God. You're the reason why we came this morning. You're on the throne, God. We give you blessings. We give you praise. We honor you today, God. Lord, we want to see you on that throne, oh God. We want to see you raised up in this place. Hallelujah. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. you're thankful for right now come on all over this room i know a lot of us have come out from the cold maybe you came in here a little late you're rushing in and things are just moving so fast right now let's just slow things down right now and start thinking about who god is come on three things right now that you're thankful for god thank you lord come on just lift that up to the lord thank you jesus for this life thank you lord for your spirit Thank you, Lord, for the breath that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for a place to come to worship you. Thank you for freedom, oh God, to come and lift up your name in this place. Come on, three things right now, church, that you're thankful for.
just raise our hands this morning and say, I give you the glory, Jesus. You're worthy in this place, God. Come on, can you just lift up your voice this morning? Come on, we're not here just to sing songs. We're here to worship our God. Come on, can you give him praise in this place? We give you all the honor, all the praise, and the glory this morning, Jesus. You're the one we live for, God. We give you worship in this room, Lord. You're worthy, God. Come on, sing that again. We give you praise, God. And we give you praise and all of me. shout this morning. Lift up a shout of praise. We give you praise in this place, God. You're worthy. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord. You're worthy of all praise, God. Jesus, we give you praise. Come on, you sing it out. We give you praise.
and to worship him for who he is. He's worthy. He's worthy in this place. Jesus Christ is seated on the throne this morning. He's sitting on the throne and he's worthy. He's worthy to be praised. Come on, just tell him, Lord, you're worthy. Just tell him, Lord, you're worthy of it all. You're worthy, God. The reason I was born is to know you and to make you known. Jesus, my life is yours, God. Come on, just tell him, my life is yours, Jesus. I give you everything, Jesus. We give you everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We surrender. We surrender, Jesus, to you. We surrender it all to you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We surrender it all to you, God. Jesus, we surrender it all to you, Lord. We surrender, we surrender our hearts to you, God. Because I belong to you. I belong to you. Say, I belong to you. saying right now that there is no condemnation here. The Lord is saying, let yourself be free. Come to him. There was no need to hold on to the things of the past, whether it was long ago or yesterday. 
today is a new day. Today is a new day with me. You don't have to be afraid or think that I hate you or that I am angry because I am pleased when you come near to me. to Jesus. He reached out right now to you. He wants you to draw near to him. He wants you to know that he's waiting on you, that there's no condemnation. He wants hope to rise up in your heart. Come on, if those words were for you right now, take this time to reach out to him. Take this time to reach back to him this morning. He wants to draw near to you. Jesus, we draw near to you, Lord. We come close to you, those words right now. Jesus, bring joy, bring hope in this place. Bring peace. Bring peace in this place, God. We draw near to you, Lord. We draw near to you, Jesus. We draw near to you, God. Oh, Jesus. We draw near to you,
Come on, just a few more moments in your own words. If all you can say is, thank you, Jesus, then just say, thank you, Jesus. But if you have a song come up in your heart, just sing it to him right now. Hallelujah. Andrew, would you just turn down my mic a little bit? and Come on, just lift up your voices, everybody here. Just either in your own words, just thanking him, or in a song, tell him that you love him. Come on, we love you, Jesus. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. Gracias, Señor. Gracias, Señor. Come on, thank Him for three things in your life today. Thank You for Your love, God. I thank You for forgiveness. I thank You for my health today. Thank Him for those things right now in His presence. God is here. He is with you. Come on, if you have any need, just lift it up to Him now. Come on, as you're thanking Him, lift up your needs. The Bible says, let every prayer and request come to the Lord with thanksgiving in your heart. So now you can just make thanksgiving to God in your heart. As you're asking for things that need to be done, oh, He's able! Hallelujah! Oh my God, He is able! You are able, God! to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think or imagine. You're my God, and you're a good God. You hear the cries of your people. Hallelujah. Provide, God, for every need. Heal every sickness and disease. Lift up the downcast. Encourage the weak, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 30 more seconds, saints. Come on, just pretend you're in heaven because heaven is here with you now. Hallelujah. Let his kingdom come and will be done on earth right here as it is in heaven. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. Satan is defeated. The devil is a liar. Jesus is in this place. Lift his name higher. Woo! Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, you are. Yes, you are. You are amazing. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, my God is amazing. Come on, my God is amazing. I want you just to stand for a few more moments because we want to pray for something very unique, very powerful right now. There's over 300 believers from SUM Bible College in Mardi Gras right now. Come on, let's bless the Lord for that. Preaching the gospel on the streets. They don't care if they get mocked, ridiculed. It doesn't matter what's happening. They're there. And you know what? They're bringing the boom shakalaka power of God. People are getting healed. Demons are getting cast out. Throwing down their drinks on Bourbon Street. Falling to their knees. Accepting Christ. Happening right now. So I want you to partner with them. I want you to partner with them. We're just going to pray for them right now. 
We're going to lift them up. I'm going to ask that our evangelists would come. Pastor Jared, who leads the evangelism team, going to abortion clinics, going to Wicker Park, going to Taste of Chicago. And as he begins to pray, would you just maybe just close your eyes even right now and use your imagination and think about what God can do in those streets. Come on, he can do exceedingly, abundantly. Jared, would you pray the word over these students? And not only them, there's thousands from other churches out there now. Father, we thank you, Lord, that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Where there's sin, where there's darkness, God, you have an answer. You bring the light. You are not up in heaven, far away, not thinking about these things. You see it, God, and you're sending your people out. We thank you, God, for our brothers and sisters on the streets today of Mardi Gras, the world's biggest party. God, we pray that you keep them holy and pure in the midst of it. And we pray for those divine encounters. We pray for the Holy Spirit and power. You said, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would come and that we would receive power to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth. So we pray for power in their witness, power when they preach the gospel to bring conviction for folks to see their sin and to see their need for you. We pray for power and signs and wonders to follow the gospel message, healing, deliverance of demons. We're already hearing these testimonies. There have been testimonies from years past. And for those who go week in and week out of God, we thank you for that and we ask for more. There's more folks out there drunk. There's more folks out there dead in their sin. There's more folks out there possessed by demons who need deliverance and freedom. They need healing, God. We ask that you send our people out, God, like healing to a wound, Father God. You send them out, God, and you apply them to the lives of those people, Father. We thank you for what you're doing in Mardi Gras. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. I'm Joe Irostic, uh, the senior pasting preacher here. And I'm going to be doing the gospel presentation for you today. I want to share the gospel with you. It's the habit of Metro Praise Church to share the gospel every week. We began to get convicted about this because we felt that, you know, sometimes our messages may not teach you everything about Jesus and the cross. They may be teaching you about family, teach you about how to be a better you, you know, those kinds of things. So we said, hey, let's make sure every service we tell you about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And that's why this is important to us. Can I get an amen? Would you open up your Bibles with me to the most famous passage in all of Scripture, John chapter 3, verse 16. One verse that will change your life forever. I've been now serving God for over 18 years. I am 36 years old. I've been serving God now longer than I've been alive. My mom will tell you that I started off on that wrong track around two or three years old. So I was a bad boy from 13 to 18, 15 years, but 18 years I've been a saint of God. Amen? Praise God. I thank him for that. But this verse has not lost its power. We're going to read it out of the NIV, and as we do, would you just read it out loud with me on the count of three? One, two, three. For God so loved the world that who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life there's three things here that will change your life when you think about the gospel gospel means good news jesus brings that good news three things in this verse change your life forever number one there is a god for god there is a god people are teaching our young 
children in school that they can explain life through evolutionary biology, slow, random mutations over time, survival of the fittest? And is it any wonder that when people believe there is no God and they came from the goo to the zoo to you, came from goo to a zoo animals, and now that's how you evolved to you. Is it any wonder if we teach them they came from animals, they act like animals? For the first time in our culture, we are seeing the mass murderers and shootings and all of these things happen because people in general, as a society, as a culture, we are not teaching our children, our young people, our jobs, the bosses, politicians, from, from the White House to your house, that there is a God and we're going to be responsible to him. So the first thing we learn is there's a God, and guess what? He's a creator. Do I believe in the Big Bang? Yes. I just know who banged it. God said, let there be light. Bang, it happened. I believe that. I have proof for that. I don't have time to get into that. Number one, there is a God. Let me just give you a few more evidences of God other than you as a person. The morality that you have inside your heart is a gift of God, discerning right from wrong. When you hear about innocent people being killed and things happening in life, you begin to feel a gut-wrenching pain on the inside. That's a good thing because that's your conscience. Animals don't feel that. They'll eat their young. Are you listening to me? Animals will do things that you and I would never do. So we don't look to the animal kingdom to see what's right because if the animal kingdom is right, then Hitler was a great lion. He was a strong tiger, wasn't he? Because he killed a lot of his, his enemies, right? But why is it when I say Hitler was a great guy, he did awesome, you go, no, no, no. Something about that don't feel right. It's because you don't judge according to animal instincts. You judge according to a conscience, a moral compass. Why is that? Because our God is not a deistic God, a God of the Middle East or the Eastern philosophy where he's just kind of karma, ooey-gooey. No, our God has a mind and a conscience himself, and he put a thumbprint in you called the Imago Dei, the image of God. Your moral compass is a gift of God. And when people lose that moral compass, because the Bible says it can get seared with a hot iron, touch your skin right now. You feel that? Come on, everybody do that. But then now touch a callus up here. Any working men? Come on. you got a callus. You don't feel it the same, do you? Why? Because it gets calloused. The Bible says a culture, a human heart, a person, a, a society can get calloused like a hot iron. If I burned your skin, it would get all callous as it healed over, and it would be tough. And I could go like this, and you wouldn't feel it. So you better thank God for that conscience that tells you when you're right and wrong on the inside. Amen? And if you forget, your wife will remind you or your parents. Amen? First thing we learn is there's a God. The second thing that gets me excited is that this God loves us. This God loves us. That God so loved the world. That's awesome. This is not just a God that's out there like Allah. I have to pray five times a day these same prayers facing Mecca. Or he's not like one of the thousands of gods of India. I've been there three times like Ganesh and, you know, all of these other gods that half animal and half man and some of them want to steal your wives when you're not looking i'm so thankful that my god is not a god of a human imagination but my god is outstanding in his character and his outstanding character is love that's that means whatever he does comes from love it comes from that place of what is best for us the bible says for his people he works all things out for the glory of his good so that means that when we see life no matter the bad things we are facing we can we can hope and trust god's got a plan for this 
There's, there's got to be a plan in this somewhere. Through, through the pain of the recession, there's got to be a plan for this somewhere. God might be bringing us closer to him. Families sharing bedrooms together, turning off the TV, not going to movies, reading their Bibles. God, show me the plan in the midst of the ups and downs in life. Why? Because your love. And then the next thing that we learn is that he gave his son for us. Everybody say Jesus. And so what that means is everything now depends for your salvation and my salvation based on Jesus. There is a God. Creation proves it. Your conscience confirms it. He's a God of love. And if you ask his people, they will tell you all things are working together for his good, though we don't always see it. But it stands and falls upon your belief in Jesus. This God is not forcing you to do his will or his, or his ways. Hence the reason for so much evil in the world because of the free will he's given us. As a matter of fact, if you want to live the rest of your life and do what you please, he's given you the ability to do that. You could turn your back on him. You could follow the evil desires of your heart and your own uh, vain imagination. And he may let you get as far as some of the most wickedest people we've ever seen. Why? People say, why would God ever allow that? Because he's showing us, showing the world, showing heaven. He's given us a choice. But for those of us who say, I'd rather deny myself. I don't want to do this my way. I've let myself down. How many of you have ever let yourself down before? Okay, look at your neighbor's haircut right now and determine if they let themselves down this morning. Come on. You know you've let yourself down before. Look at your haircut. Look at the choices you've made. I want to just talk to the ladies for a minute. Every man that you fell in love with throughout your life, did he turn out to be the man you thought he was? Hey. Hey. Let's just keep it real. And guys all here trying to be Hercules and start diets and be masculine men. Look at yourself in the mirror. Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding, fellas? There ain't no Hercules here but men looking in the mirror. We deceive ourselves all the time. So Jesus says not to look to yourself, better yourself, self-help yourself. No, Jesus says deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. See, that's the faith in Christ. When it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That believing in him is an active faith. It's an active trust in God. The example that I love to give is walking on the tightrope with somebody. You know they can walk on the tightrope, but they say, hey, get on my shoulders and then I'll walk you across to the other side. You can say all day long, I believe they can do it. You may watch them do it with somebody else and say, yeah, I think they can do it with them. But it's faith in action when you get on the shoulders of that dude at the Barnum and Bailey thing 500 feet up and have him walk you across. That's the God kind of faith. And when you trust Jesus with your life, he is a good shepherd that will lead you in good pastures. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil. His rod and staff will be with you. Can you all stand to your feet today? Amen. Number one, there's a God. Number two, he loves us. Number three, he sent his son. What are you going to do with it? Do you want to put your faith in Jesus? You might say, Pastor, I already did that. I was baptized when I was a baby. So you put your faith in Jesus when you were a baby? Come on, just think about that, right? Because I talk to people all the time on the streets. They say, I did that when I was a baby. 
So when you were a baby, you put your faith in God, denied yourself. Come on, you didn't even know yourself. You were pooping on yourself. You didn't know yourself. Hello, you didn't even know your diaper stank. Then sometimes people say, well, Pastor, I, you know, I went through a hard time in my life. I called up to God. He helped me. And, you know, ever since then, we've been tight. That's not what it means. Just going through a hard time calling on Jesus. I'm glad he was there for you. That shows he loves you. But walking with Jesus, living for Jesus, is a daily morning till night commitment to God. And I'm not saying you're saved by your good works. I'm saying you commit your life to Christ and he does good works through you. So if you can't look at your life right now and see a real vital relationship, a relationship that's changing you and, and bringing you closer to him and a walking, talking, daily relationship with him, you're probably not saved. You might have had an encounter with him. And I'll give you this last example. You know, I love my wife. We're married. We're in a covenant. But how do you think it would go uh, for us if I started having another girlfriend on the side and I started spending some time with that girlfriend? How long do you think my wife would put up with that? Or how long do you think she would put up with it if I said, hey, I'm not going to spend the night here. I'm going to spend the night there. And then weeks and months and, and, and uh, years go by and I don't even see my wife. That's the way people treat God. They say, well, I'm close to God. I love him, but I'm going to go and hang out with the devil. I'm going to hang out and do things my way. And they let time pass. And where is God? Somewhere in the distance. Stay close to God. Put your faith in him. Let him change you and transform you. If you sin, repent. If you fall seven times, get back up and keep living for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for the gospel. It's good news. And we receive it today. And we ask you to transform our lives by it. Just right now with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you haven't accepted Christ yet into your heart, you have a chance today. We'll have prayer workers to the side as we get ready to greet one another. You'll be able to go to them and pray and accept him. But today you need to make that decision not just in a church building but in your heart. So I want you just to have a few moments to meditate. Are you right with God? Is God the Lord of your life? Is Jesus your best friend and Savior? Has your life been changed? Oh, show us who we are, God. For those of us who are saved, we thank you for our salvation. For those who are maybe not making the right decisions, I pray you bring them back. And for those, God, who know they're not where they're supposed to be and they're not with you, would they come to you today in repentance for you love them so much. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Let's bless the Lord. Amen. Our prayer workers are here when you get dismissed. Nick and Monique will pray with you. I want to put up our creed that we say every week to confess our Christian faith, something that is so viable to our lives. Here it is. Let's say it on the count of three. Before we do, if you need a written copy, we have some here. If anybody needs one, raise up your hand. We'll put them in your hand. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind 
mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Can you say amen? Amen and amen. Let's stand to our feet. Greet one another as the party music plays. And if you need prayer or want to join a life group to disciple you, they're over there. God bless you. Welcome to the Metro, baby. Amen, amen. Begin to make your way to your seat if you can. Oh, it's so good to see everybody here. We have to do something really exciting today, and we've got to do something kind of sad. So I really just want you guys to grab a seat. It's going to be good. If we could just chill on the party music for a second. We need to lift up Pastor Birdo and his family, who um, he lost his father yesterday. Pastor Birdo's dad, Jesus Govea, passed away yesterday. Oh, let's just pray for that family. Father, I thank you today that we can lift up Pastor Birdo and his family to you, Lord. We just pray that you'll be with them while we're celebrating your goodness over here. They're mourning over there. But, God, you said mourn with those who mourn. And so today, God, we ask you to just uh, lift them up, courage them. We, we uh, Lord, just pray for peace to the rest of the family. We know that Jesus was an older man. God, he had lived a long life, uh, past 70 years old. But, Lord, we just uh, ask you to take away the pain that they may be feeling for having to uh, lose their father. 
their husband or her husband, Father. And uh, God, he was such a good man. He was a kind man. So we just lift them up to you today in Jesus' name. Can everybody just say amen to that? Amen. So we're just going to ask that uh, you would give the Govea family your prayers and just space to mourn maybe next week. Uh, we're going to be bringing by some meals. So if you want to talk to Sue Ellen, Pastor Sue Ellen is our uh, children's pastor. She'll be in charge of that. But just uh, help us pray and maybe give some meals over there if you guys want to be a part of that. And uh, let's switch gears to the party music. We've got a fun thing coming up today. Angel and Bianca are going to be getting married after service. Where is Angel at? Is he running away already? What's wrong with that guy? So you guys are going to see something really cool. After service, we're going to get some folks married. Amen? Amen. So we want to walk in Metro Praise. We'll be doing it up every Sunday at 10 a.m. Our youth are doing it up. Elevate. Fridays at 7, and then we have our family fun night every Wednesday. Come and check us out. We also have life-changing devotions that we want you guys to be a part of, 365 every day. Check it out, lifechangingdevotions.com. And we have a game night coming up at the last Wednesday of the month for family fun night, so I want you all to get a part of that. Our vision has been to love God and love people from the very beginning, and I want to ask you to join the vision. Everybody say, love God. Somebody say, love people. Thank you. That's our heart. That's our purpose. Come on. Yes. Yes. I want to love God. Love people. Love God. Come on. Just pump your fist or clap your hands. Oh, love God. People love God. Come on. Keep it going. I'm going to say love God. You say love people. Love God. Love people. Love God. Love God. Connect, mentor, send. Connect, mentor, send. Connect, mentor, send. Yay! Come on, give it up for yourself. I couldn't even take myself serious with that. We want you to join a life group. How many excited about life groups up in the house? Come on. That's our first stage, connect. Then mentor. Anybody excited about discipleship? Amen. Here's how it works. Join a life group, home Bible study. A lot of leaders here have home Bible studies for you. Check them out. Then they'll tell you about our discipleship, and you can grow to be a disciple. That's our purpose here, and we want to send you out to change the world. And our goal is 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here, 500 around the world. If you believe we can do it, say, let's do it. Pump it up. Let's do it. Let's do it. Just get, 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 get to it. Let's do it. Let, <laughs> I guess, sir. Oh, man. We've been putting the party music on for the announcements, but I haven't been doing them lately. Y'all know that, right? So this is the first time with me having that in the background. It just changes everything. I, I, I'm sorry. All right, you can kick it down a little bit. We believe in uh, tithes and offerings here, supporting the work of God, 10% of your total income. Everybody say a tithe. Amen. We believe in this 10% gift to the Lord is because he's blessed us. We know tax season's coming up and a lot of you looking at to do, looking to do great things with that. Would you consider tithing to God off of that so you can have a church to come to every Sunday morning? Amen. Amen. Then we believe in missions offerings. That's after our tithe. Like, what do you do with that 90% that you have left? We ask you to give a portion of that to missions and then give a portion to the building fund. So what do I do every time I have finances come into my hands? I give 10% to the Lord. I have 90% left. And then I ask God during the week or month, I say,
say, God, what can I do to give to missions to help India, Pakistan, Nigeria hear the gospel? Let me give you an example. Right now, Nigeria is wanting our books published again. We've already sent them 500. They want them again. So we have to keep publishing these books. When you give to missions, that's where it goes. Can I hear a woo-woo? Amen. And so that's what uh, we believe here is very important. Will you turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 6, verse 38? Come on, just put it up as they're getting ready for that. Luke 6, 38. Come on, just a little bit more. Don't tease me. Come on, don't tease me now. Come on, keep it right there. Luke 6, 38. This is what happens when my wife's out of town. Wife's out of town. Wife's out of town. Okay, Luke 6, 38. You got it as a scripture every week, but I want to talk about it before we receive our offering. Here it is. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Press down. Everybody go like this. Press down. Now go shaking together. Press down, shaking together. Running over. Go like this with your hands. Running over will be poured into your lap. Everybody slap their lap. Into your lap. For with the measure you use, point to your neighbor, you... It will be given back to you. Amen. Would you stand up to your feet with us today, please? We have opportunities for you to give online. Chase, quick pay, you know, bill pay from any bank or PayPal if you guys like to do it like that. We're going to read this scripture, but this time I want you guys to do the actions. Okay? So when I say give, you guys go like that, and it will be given to you a good measure. You can you like a good measure. You know, oh yeah, good measure. There we go. Somebody did like that. Like you're measuring something really long. Uh, press down, shaking together, running over shall be given unto you, poured into your lap. Okay, you all ready with it? Let's do it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Father, I thank you for every generous giver here today. Bless them as they give, their family, their finances, Father, and help us to reach the world for your gospel. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? Will you bless them today as you give? Come forward. Thank you so much. Amen, amen, amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Blessed, good. Come on, when I try, I'm going to try that again. When I say, how's everybody doing today? If you're faking it, fake it. If you mean it, shout it out. But I want you guys to say blessed, okay? On the count of three. How's everybody doing today? I didn't count to three, but you guys got it. Amen. Amen, amen. My name is Pastor Adam. I'm the youth pastor here at Elevate. Uh, every Friday we meet at 7 o'clock, and I'm bringing the word this morning. I uh, just want to quickly uh, give some things uh, to you. We have the devotionals this month specifically purposed uh, to talk about um, 
promises that we're going to be giving, promises in the Bible. Last week, Pastor Joe talked about the great and precious promises. Uh, you guys don't have to turn to your Bibles, but I have it here. Second Peter 1, 3 and 4 says it like this. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. You know, one of the things I got from that message last week is knowing the promises of God. I'll be very honest with you. Sometimes we come to church and we're so maybe ignorant. We're unaware of the things God has already given us through his word by Jesus Christ. And one of the things I want to is going to be at the end, but knowing the promises of God. Amen. You guys can do me a favor. Open up your Bibles to Genesis 12. It is here. We're going to be learning about the story of Abraham. Uh, He was actually the father of the faith. He is the father of the faith. And And in this passage, we're going to find out God giving promises. So I'm thinking to myself, like, man, if we're talking about promises in this month, why not talk about the first person that God made a promise with? Hello? You know what I'm talking about? And and you know what? As I'm thinking about promises, I'm, I'm trying to remember in my life, my idea, my concept of promises. It started back when I was a child. The The whole concept of a promise started when I was young, and it was with the... Pinky promise. Has anybody ever made a pinky promise in their life? If not, your childhood wasn't as awesome, but I'm telling you, pinky promises, the way they work is that you would say anything and everything to try to get the person to believe you. Uh, You know, I remember I was young, I made all these pinky promises saying, you know, I'll do this, I'll do this, even to my parents. If you buy me this, I will do this, I'll be the greatest kid. But really, you're just saying that so you can get whatever you'd want. And so my idea of a promise is just like, okay, I'm going to manipulate. I'm going to say what I want so that I can get X, Y, and Z. And I just remember, you know, going to the grocery stores. A lot of the times we had an older brother, a younger sister, and we'd go to the grocery stores, Cubs Foods. Y'all remember Cubs Foods? Anyways, we go there, and, and we're, they're driving. You know, my sister got the little shotgun. She was in the car, and we're pushing around. And, and we would see so many things, food, toys. And we're just saying to our parents, hey, listen, if, if you do this, I just remember my brother. If you do this, if you buy me these, these, these fruit roll-ups, I will never misbehave. And... And my parents looking at that boy like, nah, and I'm just thinking to myself, like, he's so desperate, I got it better. And so we passed, my thing was the toys. I was big on toys, and I remember we passed by the toy section. I wouldn't say anything quick. I wouldn't be as desperate or thirsty. i just come up next to my mom or dad, and i just say, hey, um... You know what? They have this toy on sale. <laughs> you got to get them like that. Like you're smart. Like you think it's on sale. And, and I promise if, if you get me this, I will never, I will never yell at you. I will never fight with my sister. I will never, whatever I said. And they looked at me, smiled, and like, oh, you're going to do that anyways, but you're not getting a toy. And I'm just like, oh. And I just remember it as the torture was every week because we'd go in and get groceries every single time. And we tried different things, promising different things. And so I just remember at a young age, my idea of a promise was like, I'm going to say whatever I want to get X, Y, Z to get whatever I'd want. And I just remember coming up and pleading to my parents like, hey, I need this. I want this. And. And so many times we come to God and say, God, I want this, I get this, I want this, please give it to me. And I remember just my family and my parents, and I'm using this example and I'll tie it into the word, how good my parents were to me. That even though they didn't give me the thing that I wanted and me trying to bargain with them, I remember throughout the months, throughout the years, how they were faithful. They raised their children up in the Lord. And not only that, they got us things. 
And I just remember going to the grocery store when it's like, man, you know what? Last week I got this, and I don't really need that. They really take care of me, you know? And so if you guys are in your Bibles in Genesis 12, I want to talk to you how God gives promises and in our responses when, when God does these things for us. Amen. So Genesis 12, we're going to start in verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not, say, hold up. Hold up. We're going to hold off for a little bit. Genesis 12, 1, it says it like this. It said, the Lord has said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Verse 2, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Here we have the Abrahamic covenant where God comes to Abraham, comes to a land where everybody was an idolater. They, were, they weren't following God. And he calls and he comes to Abraham and says, listen, this is what I'm going to do. And he promises him, like, I'm going to give you a land, a promised land. I'm going to give you descendants and I'm going to bless you. And through you, redemption is going to come. Somebody say amen. Because through that right here, Jesus will be the fulfillment. People will be blessed. Let's keep on reading. Verse 4, I love this. So Abram left. We're going to read that on the count of three. One, two, three. So Abram, he left as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old. He's really old. And this is going to play an important part in you understanding God's power, God's authority, and God's sovereignty, when he says something, he's going to keep his word. Amen. He took his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah, Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar. There to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills of East Bethel and pitched his tent. And with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built the altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. The neighbor set out and continued toward Negev. I want to talk to you and just looking at Abraham's life. What happens here, God comes to Abraham and he makes a covenant. Basically he says, listen, we're going to make an agreement between two parties, God Abraham, I'm going to do this. You're going to follow. He begins to promise some things. And I love this. You can write this down if you're taking notes. One of the things the promises work, you have to be obedient. Verse 4 said that Abraham left. He left. You see, when you believe God, you're not just going to sit down, just come to church and just call it a day. When you believe God and his promises and his word and you're saying, man, this is for me. You're going to leave your seat and go out and do the thing God's calling you to do. You're going to be obedient to God. You know, today the church, you know, we have all these exciting things going on and we have all these programs and all these good things. But where does it come for you in your life to say, you know what, just attending these things is my obedience to God. You know, I love the, the, the Holy Ghost because I know that something supernatural right now is happening. That as I'm speaking... And I'm saying these words, be obedient. The Holy Spirit, he's taking, he's jumping on those words, and he's bringing a special message specifically designed for you. So when we talk about obedience, boom, some thoughts come into your head like, man, I'm not being obedient to God in this. 
obedience in your walk with God. Open up your Bibles to Psalms 1. Psalm 1. I love this. Hallelujah. If you're there, say I'm there. If you're not, say hold up. Give you a couple seconds more. Psalm 1. I remember memorizing this back in second grade and, and throughout the years I went to a Bible uh, college and even to a private Christian school. But it's really um, impacting me in what it says here. It says it like this. It's up at the screen if you don't have it. Blessed. Somebody say blessed. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. Somebody say prospers. Come on, verse 6, verse 4 rather. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You know, we're reading these scriptures, and we're seeing here that God, see, he has a standard. See, he has a way of how, how he does things. And he says here in verse 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now, that can seem very easy to grasp and understand, like, I won't do bad things. But you understand that first part? He says, blessed he didn't say you're just, you're just good or, or you know what, well, you just go to church, but you're blessed. But you're blessed. You know what, today when we talk about blessings and all these things, sometimes we make it seem like it's really far away. Like it's something that we need to work ourselves up to. Like, man, I'm not blessed yet, but if I keep on coming to church, I'll get to that blessed level. The man, you know what, I wish I could be like X, Y, and Z, but I'm not blessed. Though he says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Blessed is not a level that you work your way up to. Blessed is your relationship in God. Hello? Is there anybody here today finding say, man, I love God. I'm, I'm serving him. But man, my finances, my situation, my family's not in order. Some things are not right. I'm not blessed. No, no, no. You are blessed. It doesn't depend on your job. It doesn't depend on your family, your relationship with God. You are blessed. Man, I'm telling you, there's people here today that you're probably on the side like, man, I don't have everything that I need. And we're thinking that, man, blessed is the place when we read the stories. Like, man, this is what happened to them because they were faithful. They were doing these things. I'm not there yet. You're blessed. I want you to begin to say that to yourselves. Let your ears hear that I'm blessed. And the Bible says that God prospers us. Verse 3, whatever he does prospers. Man, we're talking about promises, and at the end, we're going to go over some promises that God gives to us, to his people. But the Bible says right here that whatever he does prospers. It prospers. What does that mean? It grows. It's fruitful. Things happen. And at the end, it says, for the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. He watches over you. I mean, he's so involved. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning that God is not the God who sits back and kind of like a monopoly just moves the pieces here and there, but he's right involved in what you're going through. Now, when you can begin to realize that God, he watches over your steps, then let faith arise in your heart today. 
What I hope that in this, this time that the Holy Spirit will begin to do is begin to put faith in your heart to his word. Because we're going to look back to the story of Abraham. And we're going to look like, man, you know what? If that was me, oh, if that was me, I'd have to say, God, you have to do X, Y, and Z. But you realize that Abraham, he was the first. He was the first that God came to him and said, look, I'm going to make a promise with you. Abraham didn't have the Bible to refer back to as the Lord is faithful. He keeps his word and all he does. And he didn't have that. He's waking up one day and the Lord comes to him and says, hey, listen, leave your country. That's what I'm going to do. X, Y, and Z. Okay. And the Bible says that he credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. He believed God. And I love this story because you think how crazy it would be. I, got, I don't know how it happened. Maybe he heard a voice in his head. But some of us, we think that when we hear the voices in our head, we're going crazy. But that's how it happened to Abraham. He said, listen, this is what I want you to do. So he left. And in verse 7 and 8, it said that he built an altar to the Lord. Let me ask you something. What happens or what do you do when you wait for the promises of God? Everybody, anybody here, as you, going back to the pinky promise, you remember like you have to wait when someone says they're going to do something for you. There's like this time where like, when can that happen? And someone says, man, I'm going to give you money. I'm going to do this. And you know, this is going to happen. The word of God says that he blesses us. And so we tie that in like, man, if, if my health, God's going to give me health. If, if, if my family's out of order, peace is going to come. If, if financially I'm struggling, God's going to give me a job. And what do you do while you wait for the promise? Here it is. We learn from, from, from Abram. Verse 7 and 8, it said that he built an altar to the Lord. Now, what I'm not suggesting here is that you start building altars, you start making giant fires. No, we're not going to have pyrotechnics here at the church. Like, woo, that's not what we're doing. But he worshiped God. You see, God gave him all these grand promises. You're going to be a descendant. Abraham was 75 years old. 75. And God says, you're going to have descendants. That man was super old. Not even super, super Viagra can help the brother. Amen. And God says, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bless you. And he's probably thinking to himself, okay, I guess. And, and, but what does he do? He doesn't just sit around and just contemplate and just, he builds an altar and he worships God. He worships. He's waiting for God to do these things. But in the meantime, he said, God, you're faithful. God, I'm going to believe you. You're going to keep your word. Man, so many of us were waiting on the promises of God. It's easy to claim them. It's a lot fun to claim them too. Hallelujah. You get hollering. You start shouting the blessings of the Lord. It's good. And the Bible says to do that. But what happens when you're waiting? Anybody find themselves waiting for something? Waiting on the promises of God? Some of us in here are still waiting. And we're wondering, man, is God faithful? He's going to keep his word. Abraham decided, you know what? I'm not going to wait for that. I'm going to worship him now. Amen. Amen. When it gets tough, worship God. You guys can open up your Bible to Isaiah 40, verses 28 and 31. But I want to read this to you. Man, it gets tough sometimes. And I understand the situation that you're at. And even the, the most spiritual person in this place, the person with the most experience with God, like you can hear the audible voice of God, right? Maybe saying to himself, it gets hard. What does the Bible tell us? The Bible says in Matthew, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Amen. Isaiah 40, 28 and 31, it says it like this. Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Is anybody resting in the Lord in this place? Come on, I'm telling you what. Uh, hallelujah you guys are shouting i'm just like amen praise god i'm telling you what listen there are promises that you're probably thinking in the bible like man i can't claim that you probably go over it like that's probably too grandiose like man i don't think god really wants to do that and you're looking at everywhere and you find yourself in the circumstance and you're saying your circumstances has become your god and you're saying god really doesn't want to do that and we'll begin to believe the things that are only possible by our own strength the things that we can manipulate and manufacture on our own are we people of faith or not? Where have we kind of lost the incense saying he's God, he's powerful, he can do things beyond the things I can know. You see, Abraham being old in his age believed God, believed against all hope that even though he was that old, God was powerful enough. God was great enough to work a miracle. Hello? Are you holding on to promises this morning? The story is amazing. It continues in Genesis 15. You guys can open up your Bibles to Genesis 15. God comes to Abraham and he tells him, listen, I'm going to bless you. Abraham believes him. All right, God, let's do this. And he comes back in chapter 15 of Genesis. And it says it like this. It says, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. We can believe and assume that some time had passed when God came to him in Genesis 12. And he comes back to him to reaffirm this and say, listen, don't be afraid. You're probably thinking to yourself, like, man, is this God for real? Does he want to keep his word? Has he left me here? Don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I got your back. Listen, I didn't send you out here so you can drown on your own. I didn't save you. I didn't bring you to this place to leave you here so I can laugh at you, make a mockery out of you. I'm your shield. I have your back, your very great reward. You see, little do you know, I'm promising you these things, but what you really want is me. What you're really looking for is me. I'm your very great reward. Verse 2, but Abram replied. He has something to say. Oh, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who, the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. He's saying, God, man, I believe you. God, it was good when you said, I'm going to give you this, this, and this. It kind of got me going. It kind of got me from my dad's house. I can understand it. But God, listen, I'm old. The only person that I got in my family is this guy. And he's not really my son. But God, look, look at me, God, as if God is not the ultimate looker, as if God is in heaven. It's like, whoa, whoa, angels, he doesn't have a kid. Gosh, I missed that. He's coming up. God, listen, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Verse 4, then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the heavens and count the stars. Abram, come out of your tent. You live in this paradigm where you only see the things around you. Come out of your tent. So God brings him outside. 
Abraham comes outside and God tells him, hey, look, look up at the stars. Try counting them. Abraham's one, uh, two, uh, three. Oh, man, uh, one. And God's like, yeah, I know how many there are. I named them too. And he tells him, look at the stars. You see? Can you count them? No. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. God comes and reaffirms himself. He reaffirms himself. That relationship he has with God, walking in obedience. God comes and he reaffirms himself. Man, walking in obedience, walking with the Lord, it's awesome because the Holy Spirit does this. What he does, it's not just a force, a little sidekick of God. God himself living inside of you brings up the promises of the Lord to your mind so that it affects the way you walk. It affects the way you walk. Man, if you find yourself at a place like, man, I can't really trust this. I can't really claim this. Allow the Holy Spirit to come into your heart. And what I like to do is pray. I like to start off with an attitude of gratefulness and thankfulness and saying, God, thank you. And when I begin to magnify God, everything else around me begins to become so small and he's become so great. Peace flutters my heart where I begin to look and claim the promise and God, I'm resting on this. Abraham believed the Lord, verse 6, and he credited it to him as righteousness. As righteousness. The story continues in 16. I wish I can say to you that, man, it just got like that. Abraham never doubted. Abraham never walked as if he was afraid of anything else. Like anything can happen to him. He didn't. Man, isn't it like us? We come to church and we, we, we're excited about God and we get set free from sin. And we're saying, God, we're coming onto the path. God, you're doing awesome things in our lives. And then we get to a place where we come back and we make mistakes. And we kind of think like, man, he probably doesn't want to bless me anymore. I messed up, like, I yelled at my wife, <laughs> doesn't want to bless me now. <laughs> like, man, you know what, I, I, I kind of lost my temper here at the, the job, and a bad example, he doesn't want to bless me anymore. The promotion's no longer coming. Like, man, my kids are acting a fool. He doesn't want to bless me because of them. You know, we think to ourselves, he made some mistakes. Chapter 16, Hagar and Ishmael. He started thinking to himself, like, man, you know what, I'm I'm old. This really can't happen. He started losing logic. He's like, come on, let's be real. Like, it's not, it's not working. God, like, hey, you know, what's, what's, uh. so he goes and he has Agar, uh, Sarah's wife, and, he's, and he goes and he's with her and he's saying, listen, this is what I want to do. And, and he has a son through Hagar and his name is Ishmael, not our lovely Ishmael here in the seats here, but Ishmael in the Bible and. God begins to allow this to happen. You would have thought God would have been so sovereign. God would have been so like, I don't want this to happen. But he allowed it to happen. He allowed Abram to make that choice. You see, God didn't step in. He didn't send angels. Hey, listen, you don't want to do this. Keep your word. But he allows. See, what happened is Abram didn't really have the faith that God can really do it. So he goes in and takes the, his wife's servant and has a child with him. And what begins to happen is he thinks time goes by and he begins to think that this is how God wanted to do it. Like he started maneuvering things on his own strength, not going off of faith, not holding on to the promise. I mean, he thought to himself, like, man, how many of us, when we hear things in the Word of God, when we hear things on a Sunday morning or in our life groups or when we hear something on the radio, whether it's on a Christian radio, and we say, man, that's, that's too impossible. I, I got to do it like this. I, I got to do it like this. I got to get my head in. 
And we begin to go from a place of faith and resting in God to a place of worry and working. Not to say that working's bad. Please don't get that. I believe that when God calls you to something, to a promise, do everything as if it depended on you and pray as if it depended on God. Amen. Believing God's going to come through. But sometimes it can be so deceiving where it takes your place of faith. And the peace is no longer there. Hagar and Ishmael. You, you would have think the story would have ended there. God found somebody else. Like God went to Steve and said, listen, I'm going to bless you. Come on for it. No, no. God was patient. He was faithful. Chapter 17, the, the covenant of the circumcision. What happens there? God comes back to him, reaffirms his promise, saying, listen, I'm going to keep my word. Through your body, through your wife, you will have a son. And later on in the passage, the covenant of, I like to call it the covenant of the snip snip, right? If you guys don't know what that is, the covenant of the circumcision, God says, look, you're going to be different. You're going to be set apart. Someone say snip snip. The covenant of the snip snip. That's what happened. So Abraham's believing in God, you're going to do this. Chapter 18, God comes to Abraham to reaffirm it. This time next year, your wife's going to be pregnant. And the funny thing is, the cool thing about the story is that his wife was listening in a tent next door. And when she heard God break the promise, your wife's going to become pregnant, she started laughing. She's giggling. <laughs> I'm like, who's he think he is, you know? And then Jesus, you know, the Bible says that the, the man said, why is your wife laughing? <laughs> why is she laughing? And she believed me. And then they come and they bring Sarah. Like, why are you laughing? I wasn't laughing. <laughs> I wasn't laughing. So many of us, like, we get that nervous tick. Like, I don't know if God's going to do it. Like, no, I'm believing. It's going to happen. Uh, uh, maybe not. Uh, uh, maybe we got to pray more. It's going to happen. Time goes by. Or chapter 21, the birth of Isaac. He sees the promise. His son, his descendant, the first son. And it says it like this, Genesis 21, 6 and 7. Sarah said, the one who laughed at God is saying, this is impossible. This promise is too grand, whatever. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter, and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would have nursed children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You know, I think transliterated today, it's by her saying, like, man, it's worth it. Man, it's worth it. I have a son. I'm laughing, man, holding on to God, believing him. It's worth it. Man, church, it's worth it, holding on to the promises of God. Man, some of us, we can't even get excited about that because we're unaware of the promises of the Lord. We don't even know what's he promising us. Like, we're getting so excited. Yeah, yeah. What's he promised us? <laughs> what's, what's the catch? What's the deal? What's going on? It's worth it. I believe, church, I think one of the reasons that so many of us don't get excited, don't really see promises of the Lord, is probably we're not praying the promises of God. Are you praying them through? Hello? Last week we learned he's given us everything. Are you praying it through? Are you remaining faithful? In closing, I want to read you some, um, some promises that God has. And I believe any situation that you're in here today, you can hold on to this promise. You don't have to say to yourself, like, I can't claim that because I'm not the pastor. I can't claim that because I'm not a worship leader. I can't claim that because it's my first time. Hey, listen, if you give your life to the Lord, obey him, follow him. Worship him when it gets tough. Listen, you're claiming these promises. Philippians 4.19, for finances. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hello? 
Anybody here affected economically, financially? There's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying, man, this is where I'm at. Like, we come to the church and be like, you know, I got to make myself look better. I got to put on these shoes. Trying to go, like, like, you're not impressing nobody. God knows your state and your situation. And when you come to him and you humble yourself, God, this is where I'm at. And you claim his promise and say, God, I'm standing on this. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He's not broke, y'all. <laughs> God is not on some welfare plan where he himself's like, angels, come on, how much you got? Like, I got to land. You know, that's not happening in heaven. Come on. He's blessing us. How about for peace in our life? And sometimes it can get so rocky, it just comes out of nowhere. Whether with family, friends, just in your job situation, transitioning. Come on. Peace. But whoever listens to me will live safety, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Proverbs 133. John 14, 27 says it like this. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Jesus talking. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Come on now. This isn't something we're just reading like, that's good. Is your heart troubled this morning? Jesus says, listen, do not be troubled. Man, I did this. This is happening. Do not be troubled. When you believe and hold on to faith, let him work your heart right now. Hallelujah. Come on. Salvation. If you're in this place, man, I need to be saved. Man, I know people here, my friends, family, that need salvation. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Come on, salvation. Are you, belie- are you believing God to save somebody in your household? Man, I'm praying all the time for my brother. He knows the word, but he's not living it. Come on now. Is there somebody you're believing salvation for? That's a promise. Come on. He's not holding it back for a select few. Hello, somebody. Like only those uh, that I want to be saved. He's given it to all people. For God so loved the world. Salvation for all people. How about this victory in your life? Some victory. Romans 8, 37 to 39. You guys can open there. I want to take some time looking at this one. Rachel, you can come up in the keys of the band. Would you come? Romans 8, verses 37 to 39. It says it like this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced, somebody say convinced, come on, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or the, in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Victory in this place. God promises you that you are more than an overcomer. What does that mean? That only the victories and only the things that you can overcome on your own strength. That's not how it works. That's not how faith works. Are we believing in a God to supernaturally intervene in our circumstances? Does he love you that much, church? Does he? He sent his son, Jesus Christ. 
as a demonstration, listen, everything that I'm telling you, everything that I've said, I will keep my word. And I love you so much that I'll die for you. I'll die for you. It's not something that you'd have to believe is going to happen in another life. Like all oh, the promises of the Lord are going to happen when I'm in heaven. Hello. How about this? Healing. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24. Not only speaking of our supernatural or our spiritual condition, rather, but also physically. Matthew 8, 2 to 3, it says it like this. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. Jesus reached out and touched him. And he said, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. I'm telling you this morning that the promises that we just read, Jesus himself was as almost if he was here reaching us and listen, I'm willing. Would you hold my hand? Are we in this together? Are you going to believe the promises? Hey, listen, I'm here. I'm not leaving. I'm not a man that I should lie. Would you hold on? Would you believe? Listen, church, we're going to transition into a time of prayer. Now, I don't want us to pray just to get loud, just for loud sake, because that's what we do at the end of the service. But I want you to start taking some steps of faith and believing the promises of God. How is this going to work if we don't start believing it right now? We're going to wait till it gets better. We're going to wait till our situation changes. Not at all. Right now. Whatever you want in God for. Salvation. Come on. Finances. Peace, victory, healing, whatever it is. Come on, right now, we're going to pray and we're going to believe God that he can do it. The Bible says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, amen, is spoken by us to the glory of God. Would you stand to your feet for me, please? For no matter how many promises God has made, let me tell you, he's made a lot. He made quite a few. They are yes and amen. Church, would you say that with me? They are, come on, say it again. They are and amen. It's spoken to us by the glory of God. He backs it up. He puts himself behind it. Let's close our eyes in prayer. God, you are holy. God, you are righteous. And God, you're faithful. Way more faithful than us, God. Man, God, we wish we could come up and say something super nice and awesome like we've always believed in the promises. But God, it's, it's really easy to, to stop doubting, to, I mean, to start doubting. And it's really easy to look away. And it's really easy to, to not have faith. But God, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you bring the strength, God? Would you bring the faith in this place? Right now, I want you to begin to pray and ask God for faith. It starts somewhere. If you're saying to yourself, like, man, you know what? I, this, this is good. I, I want Jesus in my heart. Listen, he promised salvation. You have to receive it in this place. Jesus died on the cross. Repent from your sins. It's in the house. You're saying to yourself, man, you know what? I, I, I'm in this place, and I, and I need help. 
But I don't know who to turn to. Jesus. Come on in this place right now. We're going to have the altar workers come on up. Altar workers, would you come? In closing, I I would love for everyone to come up and and pray with one of these um, workers here today. We, We have people here that say they want to come alongside and pray with you. Right now, it's going to get really spiritual, y'all. <laughs> it's going to get really spiritual. If you haven't felt that as of now, well, it's going to get more because I want you to do something you probably haven't done in a while, maybe never. Maybe you do this all the time. Well, that's good. I, I want us to start believing God for some crazy things. Come on. There's no acting like, man, I don't need that. I don't need healing. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Come on. Man, I don't need peace. You go back home and you don't even know where to start. Hello? There's no shame. There's no shame. Come on, with all eyes closed in this place. God, God, I pray that you would take away the fear of man. Father, the fear of failure. Come on, some of you feel like you have to cover up for God. Like, man, you know what? I'm not going to come up and pray that because, you know what? I don't want God to feel forced. He has to do this for me. He's already given it to you. God, I pray right now, God. God, you will take us to a place, God, where we trust in you. Come on. God, we just start praying right now for those things that are even crazy to pray about, God. (laughs) Supernaturally, you coming, God, and moving in ways we can never see. Come on, right now. Like Abraham, he couldn't see his son, but he believed God. Come on, let faith arise in this place. Let faith arise in this place. Come on. God, we believe you, God. We take you for your word. Come on, I just want you right now, as you feel led, to come up to one of these workers right now and just begin to pray with them. Come on, would you say to yourself, listen, I want to come alongside with you and pray with me. I'm believing God to do this. Peace in my home. Come on, he's promised me that. Come on. Peace in my marriage. Peace in my family. Come on, whatever it is in this place. We seek you, God. As you're waiting for prayer, we're going to sing this song. And it's a declaration unto God. See, because he, he lives and, and, and he's true and because of who he is, he's not the God of the pinky promise where he's going to say one thing and then t- change his mind later. Nah. But because of who he is, that he cannot lie, he backs it up. We're going to sing this. Hallelujah, our God reigns. Because he reigns. We can pray to him right now and believe that he hears us in heaven. Amen.
church to sing this out. We believe in Lord. You reign, oh God. You reign in heaven, Lord. You haven't changed. You remain the same. You reign. Come on, just a few more times. Let's just sing it out. Forever all my days. If you still need prayer, we're here. You can come. Just a few more moments. God is answering prayers today. Can you give him a hand clap of praise? Amen. Praise God. We'll continue to pray for you after the wedding. That's kind of weird, but we will. So why don't you grab a seat because we got a good thing to do here today. And then we'll keep praying and worshiping at the end. So band, would you stand up here? Chris, would you grab that for me? today's a good day. Adam, would you hit on the lights there for me, please? How many just were blessed by Pastor Adam's message today? Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor Adam. That was awesome. Amen. Jared, can you hit on this light here for me, please? And
going to honor this precious couple today as they take their vows in the sight of uh, God and man. So, uh, Angel and Bianca, would you come up, please? Would you welcome them as they come? Amen. Why don't you guys just stand here in front of me? We're going to make this official. He's saying he forgot the certificate, but that's okay. Hold each other's hands and face each other. Both hands. There you go. Let's pretend we've done this before. I'm just kidding. You never have. I have. It's a pastor joke. I want you um, just to look at each other for the next few moments and really contemplate the commitment that God is asking you to make between each other as I read these scriptures. Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, the Bible says, Wives, submit to your husbands as as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to each other, uh, to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's what God's asking you two to do today. He wants... Angel, he wants you to love her, Bianca, as Jesus loves the church. Come on, just look her in the eyes. Before we make a covenant, just let her know in your eyes that it's a trustworthy thing. And then Bianca, the Bible says, look into his eyes, that you are to submit to him as the church. Not to me. Look in his eyes, baby girl. Come on. You're to submit to him as the church does to Jesus. Listen to this next scripture. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, one of the most popular scriptures on love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Love delights not in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. And say this together with me. Love never fails. One, two, three. Love never fails. Are you guys going to commit to each other? Just look at it. You keep looking at me. It's okay. You look at me in a minute. This is your man right here. Will you commit to each other? I'm going to stand over here because she keeps looking at me. Will you commit to each other to be patient, to be kind, not to be envious, not to boast? You know, love is an easy word to throw around. People can fall in love and fall out of love. But you have to stay in love by growing in love. Now would you both look at me? There you go. Now it's turn to look at me. I want to give you just a couple things to think about in marriage. Think about the covenant that God is making with the church because that's the covenant you're making with each other. It's an everlasting covenant. It doesn't change. When things go up and bad in the church, you know, up and down in the church, bad and good, Jesus doesn't say, man, I'm quitting on Metro Praise or I'm quitting on the church of Chicago. He still shows up even if nobody else does. So if things get hard, you don't quit on each other. Starting with the man, you don't quit on her. You stay as that stable foundation. If she has a bad day, you get her back. If she gets pregnant again, you guys want to have another child. You know what I'm saying? And those times start getting where it's hard to be mama. You help her. You get her back no matter what. 
and then you stay committed to him. Even if jobs don't always come his way, if one day, God forbid, a boss says you're fired, you stay committed to him. Because you guys can go through anything and make it through it if you got the love of God in you. Because love never fails. It's real. It's a covenant. It's a commitment. The Bible says that when he joined them together, they became one in the book of Genesis. You guys become joined together as one. You don't cut off your arm and say, I'm leaving you at home and go to work. You should never say, I don't want my wife with me. You know, these men who talk like this in the barn, oh, good thing the wife's not here. Those guys have miserable lives because they have miserable wives. They've made their life terrible because they don't make their wife happy. The, the value that you have in life, sir, will be determined by the countenance and the expression of her face. I will value you and respect you as a man determined on how well she feels taken care of, loved, and treasured. You never leave her. You never forsake her. And then the same thing with you. You follow him. He may say, honey, we've got to move to a new location. Uh, you know, take a transfer to another city. And, and sometimes it may be tough. But if he's a man of God, you can trust him. You have a voice. You can say whatever you've got to say in that marriage. But at the end of the day, you have to say, I'm going to follow my husband. The Bible talks about covenant. The next thing it talks about is community. The community of the church is a place where marriages grow. And I want everybody to hear this today. Many times marriages struggle and they stop coming to church and they stop coming around others to help them. The marriage that you have here today is one that you can share with this community. Not in a polygamous way where sharing each other's wives, wife swapping. Not in that way. But in a sharing of your lives together with other married couples. You have a married couple here. My parents who have been married over 30 years. You can share life together with them. As young couples come up, you can share your life together with them. Marriage is covenant. Marriage is community. And then marriage is your children. Healthy couples produce families. And those that can't, adoption is for them, but even adoption for those who can't have our own children. But you're going to have children, and you already have one right now. And that child is going to be brought up in your family. So you have to be the moms and dads that God called you to be. And guess what? God can relate to moms and fathers. God can relate to what it's like to be a father because he's known as that and his creation and his guiding and his leading and his stability. And he can relate to the motherly instinct because he's the one that gave that to the mother. The heart of cherishing, loving, and, and compassion and dedication. And here's the good thing for moms and dads. The Holy Spirit is always with you. So if you come to a place in the family and you're like, I don't know what to do with these kids or I don't know how to provide or I'm getting tired, I'm getting frustrated, you can come to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and He will guide you. He'll give you wisdom. He will be your counselor. You're making a covenant in this community and to your children. That's marriage. I'm going to say that again. You make a covenant to each other in this community because we're a village, amen? We share life together here. And it's for the children to grow up and have a safe place to be. That's what culture is supposed to be. I don't want to start preaching to you now. That's why we guard the sanctity of marriage because it's the way we build community and children. And so are you guys ready to say some vows to make it official? Amen. I see the rings are already on, but would you like to take them off or just hold it or... 
Okay, so why don't you take them off there, please? Oh, that's okay. You got the real? Okay, let's get them out, big boy. Come on. <laughs> All right, it's business time. Time to get down to business. It's going to be the weirdest wedding they've ever had on video, but that's okay. It's your wedding, and you're kind of weird, too. Let's just keep it real. Angel, would you hold her hands before we get to the ring? Just get the rings ready. I just wanted to make sure you had them ready. There they go. Okay, now hold her hands. Look at her in her lovely eyes and say this with me. I, Angel. I, Angel. Take you, Bianca. Take you, Bianca. To be my wedded wife. To be my wedded wife. To have and to hold. To have and to hold. From this day forward. From this day forward. For better for worse. For better and for worse. For richer for poorer. For richer and for poorer. In sickness or in health. In sickness. Now, Bianca, would you look at your wonderful husband-to-be and say this with me. I, Bianca, I, Bianca take, you, angel, take you, angel, to be my wedded husband, to, be my wedded husband, to, have, and to, hold, to have and to hold, from this day forward, from this day forward for better for worse, for, better for, worse for, richer for, poor, for richer for poor, in sickness or in health, in sickness or in health to, love and to, cherish, to love and to cherish, till death do us part. Till death do us part. And the congregation says amen. Amen. We see that before us today. Now, would you take the ring, uh, angel, and put it upon Bianca's ring finger? And as you do, would you repeat this with me? With this ring, with this ring I, thee wed, I thee wed as a sign of my consistent faith. As a sign of my consistent faith. And abiding love. And abiding love. Would you do the same now, Bianca? Place the ring upon his ring finger. You guys are awesome. Uh, it's your left hand, and it's your ring finger. That would be this hand right here, L. L for left. <laughs> Does it not fit on there? That's okay. There it goes. There it goes. So say this with me. I, Bianca. I, Bianca. With this ring. With this ring. I, thee wed. I, thee wed. As a constant sign. As a constant sign. Of my abiding faith. All the congregation says amen. Amen. Would I get some of the elders to come now around them to pray for them as we just seal this covenant before God and man so the elders would you come and you guys can just hold hands and keep loving each other right now. And Congregation, would you stretch your hands towards this wonderful couple they have committed before God and man to love and to hold for better, for worse. And we're going to guard them right now today with our prayers. One of our great elders here has a beautiful marriage. Ricky, would you pray for them that this would be sustained by the power of God? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful couple, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this covenant, Lord, that they made with each other, O oh God. I pray that they would honor it, Lord, that, Lord, they would love each other, O oh God, but that, Lord, they would always keep you in the middle of their marriage, my Lord that, Lord, you will seal them, Lord. They'll be so close to you, O oh God, that nothing, O oh God, will be able to separate them. Nothing will be able to come within their marriage, O oh God, and break anything up, to separate anything, to bring any division, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that you will bring complete unity, O oh God, complete unity, complete love, O oh God, a perfect love, O oh Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that they will have a blessed marriage, a blessed family, O oh God, bless their son, O oh God, that, Lord, they'll be godly parents, O oh God, that, Lord, they would teach their son the ways of God, O oh Lord. And so, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would surround them, you would guard them, O oh God, protect them, O oh Lord, 
and that, Lord, you would meet their needs. Bless them, oh God, with the things that they need in life, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can everybody say amen? Amen. Elders, you may be seated. With the power that has been granted to me by God and government, it's now my privilege to say, you are now man and wife. Man, you may kiss your beautiful bride. Hallelujah. Would you all stand up and greet for me, with me for the first time, Mr. and Mrs. Angel and Bianca Torres. Amen. They're going to be standing up here greeting you guys and celebrate with them. Altar workers, you guys can come back. Let me pray a prayer of dismissal. Father, thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you for the marriage that happened here. Bless your people. May we stay true to your word. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen. God bless you. Come up for prayer or we'll see you next time. Slap somebody high five and say God's promises are for you. God bless you. God is good. Lead us in a song.